Take away the world's desires when we pray. Holy Spirit, lift us higher when we pray. When we
and the power of his blood. I come before you, Lord, recognizing that you are supreme in authority. Your power is great in the heavens and the earth, and your anger is shown against all wickedness and the evil imagination of men. Father, I boldly approach your throne yet again, this time asking for grace and mercy for your bride, the church. Your word says that judgment shall begin at the house of God, so let the church bear the greatest indictment. Because your invisible works are clearly seen, demonstrating your eternal power and divine nature. All men are without excuse. Yet through hypocrisy, we have given place to your enemies to blaspheme your great and holy name. Because of our perversion and deceitfulness, which brings shame to your name, they question whether we are really your children. For this cause, Lord, we are guilty and bear the greater burden. We have been weighed in the balance and been found wanting, yet we refuse to change our path. We have been deliberate in our great trespass before you, Lord, and we are not hidden from your sight. We have provoked you to anger with our foolish and unwise behavior, being spiritually blind and naked, allowing the world to see our shame. Heavenly Father, because you are a God of mercy and great compassion, we come before you in humility that you may examine our ways. We come before you confessing that if we humble ourselves and pray, seek your face and turn from our wicked ways, then will you hear from heaven, forgive our sins, and heal our land. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, we thank you, Heavenly Father, that your hands are not shortened that they cannot save, nor your ear heavy that it cannot hear. We stand before you, Lord, to answer the indictment that has been laid against us and pray that through repentance our sins will be forgiven. For we have done wicked things in your sight, even rebellion against your commandments and your continued reminders and warnings. In the name of Jesus, we acknowledge our shortcomings and weaknesses, seeking to be washed in the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ. For we were called to be the salt of the earth, of people that would bear witness to your name, follow your examples, live by your commandments, and set a difference between that which is holy and that which is profane. Instead, our hearts have been pierced with the desires of the world, and we have adopted their ways, chasing after materialism and lust and compromising your standards. We have not sought you for who you are, but for what you can give and how much we can get. We have allowed worldliness into your church and created unholy alliances with the world, calling that which is evil good and that which is good evil, while refusing to take a righteous stand. We have sought validation from the world and coveted the admiration of men who have perverted your statutes for selfish gain. We have shown them all that is in your sanctuary, giving access to thieves and robbers who now make merchandise of your sheep and a mockery of your name. We have failed to protect the innocent, neglected the cries of the poor, and watched as families are being destroyed. We have not sanctified you in the eyes of the people, becoming powerless gift chasers who adorn the things on the outside while failing to address the evil within. We have compromised your word by seeking popularity and friendship with the world, choosing to entertain the masses with our talents and gifts while watering down your word and speaking fables instead of convicting people to change. We stand idle as the innocent are snatched from the womb while we defend the guilty giving them place on your stage. We are consumed with the pursuit of wealth while at the same time we are robbed of morality, dignity, and holiness. Through compromise and exploitation, 
We have lost our influence. Through sermonettes and motivational speeches, we have catered to itching ears. And through hypocrisy and double standards, our pulpits have been stripped of power and authority. We have even embraced the lifestyles of this world and distorted the meaning of your love instead of preaching the sovereign design and plan of God. We have lost our way, Lord, and given over the cares of this life. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, forgive us, Father, for we bombard your throne with selfish prayers while the world around us declines and decay, drifting further and further away from you. We have been mesmerized by the lust of the world and desensitized by its influences while engaging in unspeakable acts, adultery and fornication, abortions, drunkenness, promiscuity, hatred and insensitivity, drug use, blasphemies, idolatry, man lying with man, women lying with women. We defile ourselves by flooding our minds with pornography, immorality and lust, and other kinds of sexual perversion. We have neglected our children and not taught them your ways, putting success and riches before love and direction. We have allowed our marriages to grow cold, harbored unforgiveness, and refused to show affection, while opening the door for the enemy to wreak havoc in our families. We have become a lukewarm church, lacking holiness and obedience to your word, even denying your name, Lord, and abandoning the cross. We have allowed false prophets to operate in the church while embracing false gods and religions. We are in a backslidden state and confess our sins before you. We were all born into this world with something to surrender, but so many of us have refused to let go, choosing to embrace our fallen nature by making excuses for sin as opposed to trusting your word for deliverance and healing. In doing so, we have denied the power of the cross and the delivering authority of your resurrection. We go down in the water, but never come up, sinking further and further into the depth you gave your life to conquer. We have titles without meaning, performances without actors, services without substance, and buildings that are lifeless when it comes to the real power of God. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, we repent, Lord, and ask for your forgiveness. Lord, let your anger and fury be held back, and let your mercy fall upon us as we repent of our wicked deeds and turn back to you. Let us once again be the people you have chosen to show yourself strong in the earth, that through our examples and trusting your word, the world will once again look to the church for salvation and demonstration of the true power of God. Lord, please hear our cry, incline thine ear, and behold our frail state, that we may eagerly approach your throne with boldness and have confidence at your appearing. Your word says that you will never leave or forsake us, and we come to you by faith, knowing that without faith it is impossible to please you. Deliver us from the guilt of the past and wipe away all condemnation, for through our sin we have given the enemy access to our lives and the legal right to carry out his diabolical plan of destruction against us. But now, Lord, through repentance, his rights have been revoked. In the name of Jesus, we denounce Satan and his demonic forces of evil and his rebellion against the kingdom of God. In the name of Jesus and the finished work of the cross, he loses all rights to torment, deceive, destroy, afflict, and manifest himself in the lives of your people. And we sever all ties, cooperation, agreement, conspiracy, and relationship with the world and the world system. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, we command Satan to loose every stronghold, demonic manifestation, false belief, vice, grip, addiction, spell, and curse right now according to the word of God. We choose you, Lord, and the finished work of the cross. 
and want no part of Satan and the temptations of this world. I declare right now that we are loosed in your precious name. Lord, we renew our covenant and commitment to you and exercise our choice to faithfully serve you with all of our heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. In the name of Jesus, we make a conscious choice to turn back to you and once again follow after your statutes and commandments and pledge our undivided service and devotion to you. But we have been bought with a price and serving you is our reasonable service. So help us, Lord, to be lights in this world, ambassadors of the Most High God and instruments of righteousness, representing your will and not our own. I pray, Lord, that our hunger and thirst for you is never quenched and that you give us both to will and to do your good pleasure, that we as a church may fulfill the calling and purpose that you have spoken over our lives. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, we denounce the pleasures of this world, false doctrine and all forms of spiritual adultery. We pray that you expose the synagogue of Satan operating behind church walls, every lying and deceitful spirit and demons operating as angels of light. Let us not worship or reverence anyone or anything but the true and living God and drive out the spirit of Antichrist. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I pray that you remove all doubts and bring revelation to every distortion of the truth and that we drive out the spirit of Jezebel that teaches fornication, lust, and idolatry. That her curse, seduction, and influence be broken and bound right now in the name of Jesus and erased from the hearts and minds of your people. I ask, Lord, that the depths of Satan operating in the church be exposed and driven out in Jesus' name. That we no longer defile ourselves through the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, hating all evil, pride, arrogance, and the evil way. Grant us spiritual discernment that we are not deceived. Let us examine the fruit of a man and not be gift chasers led astray by talents, gifts, and charisma. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I pray that the church will once again be known for its good works, love, faith, dedication, patience, and compassion to all men. That we hate the sin but love the sinner, understanding that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Let us love according to the word of God, standing on the truth, preaching the word in and out of season and making no provision for the flesh while understanding that grace is not an excuse for sin and a justification for heaven. Help us, Lord, to minister without compromise to those seeking the truth and be found without spot or wrinkle, boldly proclaiming the truth of Christ and the power of his resurrection. Let us live and reign with Christ, clothed with holiness and abiding in his presence through eternity. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I speak life into your church and come against all dead things. Let our branches bring forth fruit in their season and our roots be nourished by the waters of life. Let us be called and set apart, chosen and faithful, serving as kings and priests in your kingdom, knowing that we are in the end times, that we be not lulled to sleep by the passing of days, nor deceived by scoffers who deny your coming, but that we are watchful and that day does not overtake us as a thief in the night. We are pilgrims in the earth, and this is not our home. So we look forward to the rapture and second coming of Christ, having faith that the promises of God shall come to pass. In the name of Jesus, I pray that we hold fast to our belief that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man cometh to the Father but by you, and that we never lose our boldness and passion for the Most High God. In the name of Jesus and the power of his blood, I pray that we are not weary in well-doing, and that we have a desire to spend quality time in your word and in fellowship with you. 
that we neglect not the fellowshipping of the saints, as we are one in the body of Christ and sealed by the precious gift of the Holy Spirit, that we may all faithfully walk in the calling and purpose we have been given, pressing toward the mark and high calling of Jesus Christ our Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you are able to keep that which we have committed unto you against that day, and that nothing we have done is in vain, but all things are accounted to our heavenly account that we may be rich towards God. Lord, let us run this race with patience, looking unto you who has endured the cross and despised the shame for the joy that was set before you, that our names be confessed before the Father and written in the Lamb's book of life. I pray, Lord, that we are steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the love of God, that we may receive a crown of life promised to those who endure unto the end. Now unto God, who knows the beginning from the end, who is our shield in time of trouble, and who causes us to endure the fiery furnaces of life, we give you honor and praise. We proclaim and ascribe greatness to your name, for your deeds are perfect and all that you do is just and fair. You own the cattle on a thousand hills and cause darkness to flee in the presence of light. I pray, Lord, that we demonstrate our gratitude for all that you have done by keeping your commandments. For your word says, obedience is better than sacrifice, and rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Let your word be a light unto our path, revelation in darkness, and our blueprint for all matters pertaining to this life and the one thereafter. It is through you, Heavenly Father, and the power of your might, that one could chase a thousand and two could put ten thousand to flight. For greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. These things I ask and pray and affirm in Jesus' great and holy name. Amen. 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 And good evening. And thank you for joining us right here on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour. Yes, again. Well, I'll tell you what, it's so nice to be here again to uh, study the Word of God again with believers. It is just so wonderful. Yes, it is. Uh, getting together with you. It's a wonderful night when we can all get together in the same core and read the Word of God and agree. You know, we have all here to learn more, and that's what we're going to do. That's right. And tonight we're going to be talking about idols of the soul and other lessons from Jesus. Idols of the soul and other lessons from Jesus. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 1. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 1. At that time, the disciples came up and asked Jesus, When then is really the greatest in the kingdom? Who then, excuse me, who then is really the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? That was the question of the disciples. You know, as human beings, we are products of our environment, of our culture. So these greatly shape our values, beliefs, and attitudes. So whether you were raised in a big metropolitan area or in a village with no clean water, it makes no difference. The culture, the environment that you grew up in has greatly made you what you are. Am I correct? Very true. Whatever you, whatever environment you raise up in, that's who you are. That's where you come from. That's what you're made of. You know, if it's good, it's good. If it's bad, it's bad. If it's in between, then whatever it may be, that's who people are 
Then we all made up of our environment, our culture. And even if you are able to go to a new environment, the one you have been raised in will leave its mark on you into the grave. And well, that is correct. Uh, well, you know the old saying, you can take the boy out the country, but, but you, you can't, can't take, take the, the country, country out the boat. That's, that's, that's <laughs> the so truth. True. That's the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> You're right about that. So, but unfortunately, to some degree, most of our environments and cultures work against the principles of God's kingdom. The world, after all, is a fallen world, and its values and morals and customs often reflect that fallen state. What else would they reflect? Is it just so hard for us to see because we are so immersed? in our culture, in our environment. So it is hard for us to see that because we're so caught up in the world, the society, and the environment that we live in. Yeah, the things that surround us is what we more focus on because that's what we see, that's what we hear, that's what we touch, that's what we eat, that's what we wear, that's what we drive, that's what we live in. That, that That's why. We're caught up in those things because that's our everyday life. That's right. And so that's the culture, that's the world, that's the environment. So, yes, that, that, that's what we're used to. So, you know, the work of God in our hearts is among other things, but it points us to values and morals and standards of God's kingdom. So it greatly differs from what we have been born into and reared in. See, we gotta remember that. So when we grow up in these environments, those morals and those standards and values are with us. But when we read the word, then we start realizing, you know, these morals and values that I have right now are not good. Well, because you get to see it from the spiritual part of something that is not of the world. Mm -hmm. uh, you see it from God's eyes. And when you see it from God, that's much greater view of things that yes, the world, world do not understand. The world do not see it that way. Mm -hmm. Because the world is viewed from man's eyes, which is a very small view of life itself. God shows you the whole view, which is what? A spiritual view of that's how right. life should be. See, we're looking at it through our carnal eyes. Yes. And not our spiritual eyes. Is what you're saying. Yes. When you look through your spiritual eyes, you see the way God wants this to be. Correct. It's so much beautiful than what man has uh, created to be. I agree with man, that. Man has created pollution. So much decay and evil and, and murder. Murder, sickness. Sickness, rape, killing. All around us every day. Yeah. But see, what God has. Pain and suffering. Right, when God has, that stuff doesn't exist. Right. It's joy, love, kindness, no sickness, no hunger, no discrimination. Oh, man, it's, it's beyond what your mind can imagine. You, you can never imagine this. You've never seen it before. I mean, could you imagine walking on some streets of gold? Streets of gold. Could you imagine that? Seeing mm -hmm. the tree of life. Seeing the tree of life 
never been thirsty, never get tired. No pain, no, no pain. sickness, none of that. See, you can't imagine that. See, you have to have a, you have to see it through God's eyes. Spiritual eyes. Spiritual eyes. See, so this is why we can't imagine that because we're looking through our little small minds, small eyes, and our little eyesight that can see no further than the next wall or two. Or even just to the wall, can't even see through it. <laughs> Let's look at uh, Ecclesiastic chapter 9 and verse 10. We also talk about another one of the lessons, the greatness of humility. So let me go to Ecclesiastics. Let's see, Ecclesiastics chapter 9. Chapter 9, okay, verse 2. Right? Chapter read. 9 and verse 10. Verse two, oh, verse 10. Sorry oh, about that. Okay, verse 10. Oh, wow, there we go. Let me go back. Chapter 9 and verse 10. Okay. Okay. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. So, we got to remember the problem, however, comes in defining greatness. Greatness of humility. How easy for our fallen human minds to understand, understand the concept in a way that vastly differs from God's view. So, here's what we're talking about right here. Matthew 18, 1 through 4. Okay, Matthew 18, 1 to 4, right? Matthew 18, 1 through 4. At that time, the disciples came up and asked Jesus, like we, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child to himself and put him in the midst of them and said, Truly, I say to you, unless you repent, and become like this little child, you can never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever will humble himself, therefore, and become like this little child, is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So according to Jesus, what is true greatness is how are we to understand it in a way that a little child understands it. Yes. And see, I'm... Our mind is so full with no child mind. Just think how old that is right now. Right. Can your mind go back to two, three years old, one year old? No, I can't go back that far. Okay, then. So you understand what Jesus is talking about. Mm. A little so, child mind, four or five years old. That's the greatest. He said that we're talking about the greatness of humility. That's right. So he's saying this defines true greatness. Jesus called a child to stand before him and said, whoever humbles himself as that little child is the greatest in the kingdom. Yes. So Jesus didn't talk about being a great preacher or a great businessman or even a great philanthropist. Yes. Philanthropist. <laughs> Greatness in the sight of God is what we are inside. Inside. Not what we do externally, though 
no doubt what's inside will impact what we do externally. Oh well, yeah, because what you are on the inside it what comes, comes out. out. You know, so you know, he says from the heart the mouth, the mouth speaks. speaks. So that's on the inside. So on the inside comes out. And exactly. So that's how you represent that Jesus lives in you mm -hmm. because of what you do, what you speak, what you say, how you act, how you walk. All you your know. actions. Yeah, all your actions. Mm -hmm. So the inside becomes an act. Exactly. It becomes an act. So, you know, Jesus, Jesus defined greatness in a way that most people in the world don't. After all, who wakes up one day and decides that the greatness he or she wants in life is to be a humble as a little child? <laughs> Nobody thinks like that. Well, you yeah, oh, no, I mean, do you do There's no way you and I can become that humble. You know, I, I mean, think about it right now. If Jesus doesn't live in you, there's no way you and I can become like that now. If Jesus don't live in you. You're correct. There's no way. So, you know, it actually seems strange to us to aspire to something like that. But he's saying this is only because we are so tainted by the world's principles, ideals, and concepts. True. What do, what do a ch little child know about pride, jealous? Principles, and, ideas. Right, ideas, right. needs, wants. You know, a child is happy with a glass of water. He's happy with a, a popsicle. He's happy with a sucker. He's just you know? happy just to have his mom and dad yeah. play. Yeah, you know. So, yes. Hmm. So, God, God know it doesn't take much to make he or she happy. And what it is, and that's correct. So, what does it mean to be humble like a little child? Well, one of the indicators of humility is obedience. Yes. Putting God's word ahead of our own will. Wow. Obedience. Putting God's word ahead of our own will. Yes. Yeah. Not behind it, not doing our will. And they say, oh, yeah, Lord, uh, could you come over and help me now since I didn't already start it? No. Doing it before you get started. <laughs> yeah. Okay? That's what he's saying, <laughs> putting his word ahead, obeying it before you get started. God said, thou shalt not lie, don't lie. Don't lie, then say, Lord. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't, uh, mean to do I didn't that. mean to do that. Don't steal and say, oh, Lord, help me. Don't let me go to jail. Do it before you get started. In other words, if you are on the wrong path in life, then that's because you are on the wrong, your own path. If you are on the wrong path, you're on your path. You're leaning to your own understanding. You're not being led by God. See, when you're led by Jesus Christ, then right. you're going by the knowledge that he's giving you, the Holy Spirit. You're not linked to your own understanding. So in order to fix that, you correct. Humble yourself and get back on God's path. There you go. Obedience to his word. Amen. Amen. There you go. So yeah. if Adam and Eve had stayed humble, oh, wow. 
Oh, just think what we would be. At, at they would not have sin. They would not have sin. So they got off the wrong path. They yeah. got off the right path and got on the wrong path. That's why we're on the wrong path today. Yeah, we start off on the wrong path for years. Um, father and mother, Adam and Eve got off on the wrong. Yes. And ever since they got off on the wrong path, we were born to get off on the wrong well, path. Well, basically, we sound like we were born on the wrong path. Well, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know because what I mean? our mothers and fathers are on the wrong path because they're the ones that's teaching us. And they're, some of them are on the wrong path as well. So we're following them. Well, follow, and we're following the ideas follow and the, the concepts of the world. Follow the leader. Follow the leader. So, so there you, therefore, so there you go. we have no path to start out right on. Right on. Correct. So therefore, we start out on the wrong path, and if we don't have something to get us back on the right path, we'll go right to our grave on the wrong on path. On the wrong path. You know, it is interesting to consider that the tree of life and the tree of knowledge were both located in the middle of the garden. Have you thought about that? Yeah, they were, you know, they were both there, right, right there together. Yeah, right there together. You know that is something to think about. Right there together, you know, what's so close together? Because life and destruction are not far apart. The difference is humility. Yeah. So I'm, life and death are right there together. You know, we have to choose. They enable the neighbors of it. Yes, they are. Same thing with the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Isn't that something? Mm. It mm. is. But it's our choice. It's our choice. We can choose life or we can choose death. It's up to us. You know, one of the worst consequences of the fall is seen in interpersonal relationships. See, from Adam trying to blame Eve for his sin. Let's look at that in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 12. Oh, Genesis 3, 12. Okay. And the man said, The woman whom you gave to me to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate. So, you know, to this moment on earth today, our race has been ravaged and degraded by conflict between individuals. Back and forth. He did, she did. Unfortunately, conflicts are not just in the world, but in the church as well. Well, that's basically who God is talking to, the church. The church. He's basically talking to the church because we're supposed to be the light of the world. Mm-hmm. And we've got this conflict going on among ourselves. Back and forth. Back and forth in the church, you know, and he's trying to tell us to get ourselves together so we can be a light for the world and see what love, true love is really about. Unconditioned love is what it's really about. That's correct. We sit well in the church, blame, throwing this blame game around. Over and over. Over and over. And God said, hey, stop this. So he's trying to tell them, look, here's how we're supposed to live. Exactly. And this is where we're not supposed to mm-hmm. live. 
And we're going to look at some of that what you talk about in Matthew uh, chapter 18, verse 15 and 35. Matthew. Matthew. Okay. 15, 35. 18. 18. 18, Matthew 18, and starting at verse 15. Okay. You're going to read 15 through 35. 15. All right, I'll get it. I'm on my way. If your brother wrongs you, go and show him his fault between you and him privately. If he listens to you, you have won back your brother. But if he does not listen, take along with you one or two others, so that every word may be confirmed and upheld by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he pays no attention to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a pagan and a tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you forbid and declare to be improper and unlawful on earth must be what is already forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit and declare proper and lawful on earth must be what is already permitted in heaven. Now, now, now see, that's, that's the way the church would be ran. It's probably ran to run that just that way. But God is telling me we need to but they call that's the old way of running the church. God wants us to get back to the old way. Let's get it straight, brothers and sisters. That's right. And we know there are seven letters wrote to the wrote to the uh, churches, mm-hmm. and there were seven letters wrote to the churches. There was seven letters now, and only one church got a good recommendation from God, a good saying, "Hey, y'all on the ball." There was right. little death. Little Devil got a letter saying, hey, y'all are on the ball. Y'all, y'all to the queue, you mm-hmm. own it. That's right. Now, we are Larry Sand Church. That means we are way off to the left. We mm-hmm. so far off to the left that God is just so disappointed in us. He don't know what to do. That's we, right. What kind of church are we? Laodicean. That means we're the rich. church, we rich. And naked. rich and, and we rip oh we wretched, we poor, we blind and naked people. Right. And we have the need of nothing. That's in Revelation. And God is very upset with us. Because we are rich and don't think we have no need of anything else. Right. Now so we are last church, so we, we are just in the need of everything. That's the church of today. Now we're good churches and we got plenty of money. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got some big churches that got carpet wall to wall. The pews are laid back, man. They are shining. People are well dressed. They got big, fine cars. They got money in the bank. The church got money. So, in other words, we just got the form of godliness yeah. and denying the power of God. And denying the power of God. We don't know the power of God no more than this computer sitting in front of me. We are weak. That's why we can't call on God for nothing. We can't pray. God don't hear us because we deny the power of God. And he's saying we need to get back in the program. 
That's right. We just look good. That's all. That's we, it. We, we just got big, long words, sound good, preach good. Big, long piece of paper said we've been graduated from school. And uh, we got the right to speech. We got a right to speak. That's all. We can speak good. We intelligent. But we don't know Jesus. And God wants us to get it together. That's right. We got people sitting up in the church about the, the devil beating them, up, beating them up so bad. They don't know what they're going to lose their mind. And the people in the church don't even know what's happening. That's right. They, they in the need. Oh, you need to go ahead and read something. Oh, we'll go ahead and finish, and then I'm okay. gonna go back and finish. And then I'm gonna go back and read my wife get on me because I get to go and don't know what to say. It's a fact. It, it, I know it's, it's a, a fact. I, go, I agree. I, I go to church and see people in the need. They, you can see it in their soul. They hurt so bad, and the church ain't worried about them. Yeah. You got a lot of broken people even in the door said, of the church. Let's go back to the old church. Mm -hmm. Let's have a prayer meeting. Let's have an altar call. We don't do that no more. That's, that's the old church. Well, let, let me tell you something. God is the same today as he was yesterday, as he was last week, as he was last year. That's correct. Nobody have a right to try to change God. Now go ahead on. Let me shut up. We won't get nothing done. <laughs> <laughs> We're still in Matthew 18. We're going to go starting with 19. We're going to finish this. Again, I tell you, if two of you on earth of three harmonize together, make a symphony together about whatever, anything, and everything they may ask, it will come to pass and be done for them by my Father in heaven. Verse 20. Wherever there's two or three are gathered, drawn together as my followers in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how many times may my brother sin against me and I forgive him and let him go? As many as up to seven times. In verse 22, Jesus answered, I'll tell you, not up to seven times, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a human king who wished to settle account with his attendants. When he began the accounting, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. You remember that one? Oh, yeah. Yes, he did. <laughs> and because he could not pay... His master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and everything that he possessed and payment to be made. So the attendant fell on his knees, begging him, have patience with me, I will pay you everything. Now, now, think about this as she reads this. Mm -hmm. Think about if this is you or not, if you ever done this. Think about this seriously, because see, when God said, Forgive people. Think about if you ever had someone you need to forgive and you didn't, and you've done just what she really did. Go That's ahead. That's right. In verse 27, and his master's heart was moved with compassion, and he released him and forgave him the debt. But the same attendant, as he went out, 
found one of his fellow attendants who owed him a hundred dinero, about $20. And he called him by the throat and said, pay what you owe. So his fellow attendant fell down and begged him earnestly, give me time and I will pay it all. But he was unwilling and he went out and had him put in prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow attendants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and told everything that had taken place to their master. Then his master called him and said to him, you contemptible and wicked attendant, I forgave and canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. And should you not have had pity and mercy on your fellow attendant as I had pity and mercy on you? So as in wrath, his master turned him over to the torture, which is the jailers, till he should pay all that was owed. Now, so now, what does Jesus tell us here? Jesus is telling, he's telling you that you shouldn't be, you should forgive. And if you want to be forgiven, you should forgive you, others. You should forgive others. That's well, right. he forgives. He begged the king for mercy, and the king forgave him, but he had not forgiven his brother for on him. He walked right out the door and saw him and said, hey. And it was only $20. It only ain't no difference. <laughs> he said, hey, look here, man. You still owe me $20. Give it up. Now, <laughs> he did the same thing. He got on his knees and begged for mercy, and he didn't give it And he him. didn't give He didn't give him mercy. But the king gave him mercy for the 10000 that he owed him. Wow. He gave him mercy, said, hey, I'm going to forgive you. Go ahead on. It's cool. Uh, I'm going to take care. Don't worry about it. And he walked right out the door and saw his brother and had him locked up because he owed him money. So, so, go ahead. so God said, if you want mercy, give mercy. If you want to be forgiven, you must ask Right. For forgiving, and you must forgive others. How many people said forgive? They don't. Wow, they think you can read their minds. You got to ask. You got to be specific. Say, hey, little Jane, forgive me. I'm sorry that I said blah 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 right. or whatever. You mm-hmm. can't just assume people know what you said. Forgive me, and they know what it is. God said you have to be specific. That's when you right. ask for forgiveness, you got to be specific when you say forgive me or what you're asking for. You got to ask and say direct what it is. Even so, when you go to Jesus, you have to do that. That's right. So let's face it, Robert. It's easier to go behind someone's back to complain about him or her than to go directly to the person and deal with the issue. Backstabber. So that is precisely why we don't want to do it. So despite being told to do it by the Lord, yet Jesus teaches us to go directly to someone who has hurt us and attempt to restore the relationship. If the person is not receptive, then there are additional instructions to follow. Right. Well, you know, that's like two brothers that had to get with him before Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, one, he accepted one brother's gift, 
Cain and Abel, was it? Cain and Abel. And, and, and he accepted one brother gift, and then he accepted the other brother gift. He got mad and killed the other brother. They got jealous. Right. But all he had to do is do what the Lord asked, asked him to and do. And what did the Lord ask? He just God asked for the asked for the best, the number one, mm-hmm. the best of his crop. That's but right. he tried to he tried to keep keep Jesus and give him less. That's right. And and, and he had an ought with his brother at the same time. So he ended up killing him. So Jesus said, Look, you got an ought with your brother. Put your gift down. You go straighten out your ought. Otherwise go make up with your brother. Go Apologize. Get yourself right. Come back, mm-hmm. and then bring your gift. He got mad with his brother. Went out and done him up. Cause Jesus told him, "You got to get your life together before you come here." You see, that's what we have to do. God knows all. He knows whether you went and done what He have asked of you. That's you can. Knows. We can play game, church people. Mm-hmm. We can play games that we think we, we slid by God by half-stepping. Mm-hmm. God knows no. if your heart is right. God knows if you went and obeyed and asked your brother or mm-hmm. sister for forgiveness. That's right. Amen. We're going to take a break. I'm going to take a break. My <laughs> wife is telling me, Robert, it's time to take a break. I hear you, <laughs> We're going to take a break right now, but we want you to keep it locked in on LPJ. 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing because we're coming back with more of the idols of the soul and other lessons that Jesus wants us to learn right here on LPJ 64.
and so on. Thank you for coming back right here on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour. And we're talking about items of the soul and other lessons Jesus wants us to learn. Right? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. So we're just talking about um, how for us forgiving your brother. We're going to go back up. we in Matthew 18. We're going to go back up to verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So when we look at that contact, the context, it is about the discipline and restoration of another person. So Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is present when a small group is attempting to restore a believer. Yeah. So I don't think we realize that. Yeah, you see, you don't need a big group. He said two or more. It can That's be right. two or more. Two or more. Just two, two or more. three. Yeah. That's all it takes. Yeah, that's all it and, takes. and all he's saying is this is the beautiful work of redemption. And it begins with humbly doing the right thing and talking directly with someone who has hurt you. So this, too, will be another example of greatness in those who do it. Amen. Amen. So when we looked at um, 21 through 35 in Matthew 18, we it was talking about... When Jesus says to forgive 70 times 7, what he really is saying is that we must never stop forgiving someone. Right. That's, that means never ending. So Jesus is serious about the necessity of forgiveness, not only for others' benefit, but for our own. You know, we can look at how strong the parable is that he told to make his point. We can be forgiven a lot of things. That's what the gospel is all about, forgiveness. Let's look at Exodus 32 and 32. Exodus 32 and verse 32. Exodus 32. But 32 and 32. All right, 32 and 32. There we go. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, if not, blot me, I pray you, out of your book which you have written. And that's in the Old Testament. There's forgiveness again. Let's go to Acts chapter 5 and verse 31. Acts chapter 5 and verse 31. Okay. God exalted him to his right hand to be prince and leader and savior and deliverer and persevere in order to grant repentance to Israel and to bestow forgiveness and release from sins. Mm -hmm. Look at one more. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 14. Colossians chapter 1 verse 14. in whom we have our redemption through his blood, which means the forgiveness of our sins. So, 
If we don't forgive others the way we have been forgiven by God, we can face dire consequences. Yes. We, we must. That's, that's the main key. That's the key. To being a Christian. It's forgiveness. But see, we always pointing at the world, talking about God is talking to them out there. Talking no. to us church people. God's talking to his people. His people. See, Satan has the world. The world belongs to him, mm -hmm. not God. He said, for those who love the world do not know me, and I do not know them. So he can't be talking to the world. He's talking to his people. He's talking to the one that is probably his children. Right. And so this is for us, not the world. Right. We need to learn how to forgive more. See, talk. In other words, to never stop asking for forgiveness and forgiving others no matter how many times they have sinned against us right. and hurt us. Right. So that's a continuous thing. Yeah, that's right. So we must learn that we, we must do that. We must learn how. If we, that's, we're talking about prayer. That's, we must always pray for those things that God tells us to do that we can't do. Sure can. See, we need to pray all the time for all the time. learning how to forgive. Yes, that's true. Because those are the things that we must do. God said, if you pray for in my will, you shall receive. If you pray for anything that God will, and God will, and that's his will for us to forgive. So when I pray for that, I shall receive it because it's his will. And also, like you're saying, he, we want to restore relationships. Right. You pray for your relationship to restore it. Pray for anything that God has created or made, and you'll get that because mm -hmm. that's his will. That's his will. See, you, 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 don't, you don't pray for things of the world because God said, Things of the world is not of him. See, right. I don't. I'm a strong believer. Me and my wife always talk about these things. Well, houses and clothes and things. Uh, God don't give you, but God allows you to get a job to get those things on your own. That's correct. But you pray for help, food, clothes. Get so, those get, things you have need of. Yeah, get your help and, and sickness and things to come back. Get, uh, this way, uh, you know, those things are God will to get you well, to get you to restore you, you to you know, heal, and, restore and, all that, yes, and, heal and, and for other people to be healed. He'll, he hears that. Yes, he does. But he said, I am not of the world, neither the things of the world. Then, okay, isn't a house a thing of the world? Mm -hmm. Isn't a car a thing of the world? Yes, but he blessed you with a job to get those needs. That's right. Amen. So, that's not his will. That's what we need. But his will is for help, help families to be, to get together. Restoring relationships. Restoring relationships. Healing relationship. each other in yeah. a way of loving yeah. and encouraging one another. Each and every time we hurt each other, forgiveness is the key to restoring that relationship. It's like when we hurt the Lord. We got to go ask God to forgive us so we can restore the relationship with Him. And He called that what? 
repentance. That's forgiveness. That's right. And we must do that. If we want to reestablish our relationship with God, we must repent. That's right. Okay. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 through 30. We may not read it all, but we're just going to give you a little bit a, of a little what we're talking a little about. Taste of it. Okay. That, that's Matthew 19. Starting at verse 16. And behold, there came a man up to him, saying, Teacher, what excellent and perfectly and essentially good deed must I do to possess eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about perfectly essentially good? There is only one who is good and perfectly and essentially, and that was God. If you would enter into the life, you must continually keep the commandments. And he said to him, What sort of commandments? Or which one? And Jesus answered, You should not kill, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, you should not bear false witness. Honor your father, your mother, and you should love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said, I have observed all those all these from my youth, what still do I lack? And Jesus answered him, If you will be perfect, that is, have that spiritual maturity which accompanies self-sacrificing character, go and sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have riches in heaven. And come, be my disciple. Well, I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> All right. Though not much is told us about specifically about this man, we can pick up a few points. He was rich and he was a ruler. And apparently a very scrupulous follower of God's law. That means he kept all his commandments. So we can see too that he sensed something was missing from his life. It reminds one a bit of the story of Martin Luther, though outwardly a pious monk. Inside, he was dissatisfied with his spiritual life, and he struggled with assurance of salvation. In both cases, the man sensed that the great gap between themselves and God was not going to be filled by their outward works. Well, this ruler had a high estimate of his own righteousness. He did not really suppose that he was defective in anything, yet he was not altogether satisfied, so he felt the want of something that he did not possess. Could not Jesus bless him as he blessed the little children and satisfy his sole want? Hmm. Some people might argue that in this story, Jesus is teaching that we receive eternal life based on our good works. Oh, no. No. You think you really think that? Sounds like it. Okay. So he's saying if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. If this were the only text on that subject, one could make an argument here. But too many other texts, especially in Paul's writing, teach that the law does not save, but rather points to our need of salvation. Just like Romans 
chapter 3, 28. We're going to go look at that. Romans chapter 3 and verse 28. All right. For we hold that a man is justified and made upright by faith, independent of and distinctively apart from good deeds. The observance of the law has nothing to do with justification. Mm. Instead, Jesus must have been guiding this man to see his own great need of more than what he was doing. After all, keeping the law alone could do it. Then, the, If the keeping the law alone could do it, then the man would already have salvation since he was a scrupulous in keeping it. Well, he, 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 we just read that he kept all of the he law. He kept all of it. I mean, it said right there that he kept all of the law. He didn't break any of the law. So, yeah, as law alone, he got ready to open the door. So, listen to this. The gospel needs to penetrate the heart to go right to the idols of the soul. And whatever we are holding on to that's impediment to our relationship to God needs to be gone. In this case, it was his money. It was his money. Let's go back and read that right quick. It was his money. It was money. Let's go back and get that right quick. So he said, that, okay, where would we stop at? Uh, oh, let me go back. It was in Matthew chapter nine. It was in Matthew chapter nineteen. Okay, nineteen. And verse sixteen. 16. Starting at verse sixteen. Yeah. Okay. Okay, we read. We're gonna go down to. Okay. Let's start at twenty-two. Okay. But 22. when the young man heard this, he went away sad, grieved, and in much distress, for he had great possessions. Mm -hmm. There it is. There it is. And great. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, if it will be difficult for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven, right. again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go into the kingdom of heaven. So it was his money. It was his money. He couldn't give that up. When God when God told him, he said he did everything. God, what must else I do? What must I do? God told him give up that money. He he couldn't do that. He couldn't do he it. He said, oh, I, I can't I can't do that. He turned away from God and walked away. He he just couldn't do that. God asked one thing he couldn't do. So back to what I was saying back there a while ago. God is not up in the world. He wanted him to give his money up to and the poor, and he couldn't do it. So in other words, that was the idol of the soul. That was the idol of the soul, and he, he couldn't let it. that go. Mm -hmm. So God wanted us to give up all our idols, everything that we put before him, our money, our cars, our homes, and put him first. That's right. You know, put him first. That remind me of Job. Job, you know, Job lost everything. Job didn't care. He wasn't worried about it. You know, hey, take right. it all. You know, I don't care. And God blessed them with three times more than what he lost. Sure did. Because Job put God first. He put him first. He wasn't worried about it. He got back three times more. Exactly. And we're going to... 
we're going to finish this verse. We're going to start with, we are 19. So let's go with 27. 27, and, okay. Yeah. That Matthew 19, 27. Then Peter answered him, saying, Behold, we have left all, left our all and have become your disciple. Side with your party and followed you. What then shall we receive? Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you in the new age, when the Son of Man shall sit down on the throne of his glory, you who have become my disciples, sided with my party, and follow me, will also sit on twelve thrones and judge the twelve tribes of Israel. Amen. So nothing in the text say what prompts this question, but it can be easily be in a direct response to the rich man's departure from Jesus. Peter seemed to be implying that unlike this man and others who either rejected Jesus or stayed with him a while and then left, he and the other disciples had left all for him. They yeah. were remaining faithful to him even a great personal even at a great personal cost. The question is, what's in it for us? Well, let's read 29. I think God will tell us what's in it for us. Okay. 29 says, And anyone and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands, for my name's sake, will receive many, even a hundred times more, and will inherit eternal life. There you go. I'm trying to tell you what he said now. That's Amen. what you're going to get. That's what he's saying. That's what you're going to get. He already told you. After all, life is hard here. Even for those who have it the best, we are all subject to the traumas, the disappointments, the pain of our falling existence. Amen. Amen. I'm looking for that inherent that there it eternity is. life. That's what he said 29 mm -hmm. here in Matthew. I want to give it all up. I don't want none of this stuff. So we here. don't want no idols of the soul no. left. Uh -uh. We got to get rid of all those idols. That's right. I don't want none of this stuff. I pray that the Lord take everything. If I have an appetite for any of this stuff on the earth, I pray that he will wipe it all away. Because I want eternity life. I don't want none of this junk. So whatever you lost, you're inherited. Receive many, even a hundred times more, and will inherit eternal life. That's right. But that's worth working for. So that is worth living for. That is worth the cost that's what we're getting that you're up going all through right it, now. All this stuff here. He can have the all. I give it all of it. I want eternity like Lord, if it's in me, whatever was there that I don't know is there. Wipe it, take it Amen. out, clean it up, because I want eternity life. Thank that's you, Lord. Thank Praise you, the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for joining us tonight right here on LPJ 64 with Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Hour. It was a great Bible study. It was, it? Oh, it, I, 
It was great, great, great. I tell you. Idols of the soul. Let God work on your heart so you can get rid of those idols that may be sitting back there that you may not even know of. Well, I tell you, if it's sitting there, I, hope, I pray and hope that my Heavenly Father clean me out like an empty tank because I want to go to the kingdom. Amen. Amen, brother. So, that's right. We're going to play a song. We're going to come back with closing comments and prayer and email address. So keep it locked in. On LPJ 64 for Mr. and Mrs. Sweet Thing Bible Study Album. After the storm has come and gone, after the wind. Has already blown after the clouds have cleared the sky. Love's going to wipe the tears from my eyes after the storm. After the storm has come. Love's going to wipe the tears from my eyes after the storm. There have been days I hurt so bad, the load on my shoulders is more than Brand new day, I'll sing trouble so 
I'll dance to victory. I'll swim the peaceful waters. Let love wash over me. So we want to thank you for joining us. And our closing comments tonight is this is just one of many examples we can find of how worldly principles, values, and ideals conflict with those of God's kingdom, which is why, regardless of where we were born and brought up, we need to study God's word and from it derive the morals and values and principles that should govern our lives. Nothing else of itself is reliable. That's right. The Word of God should always, if you're a Christian, the Bible should always govern your life, not right. the land of the law. Not the, man, the, Bible, not the, the law of the land from the man. That's right. The Bible says, until the laws of the land mm-hmm. conflict, Check that out. Say that word again. Make sure you're doing it right. Conflict. With God's law. Then obey them. But abortions conflict. With God's law. Men and women conflict when they want to marry each other. Conflict. So either you're going to obey man or you're going to obey God. It's up to you. God said, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Okay? I don't care what the land of the law say. That conflicts with God. Okay? 
abortion conflict, we don't have a right to take life. I, I understand what the land say. So when laws are like that made, then hey, that's a conflict with the Bible. Wow. So when they conflict with God, then hey, we ain't supposed to listen to them. Study God's to word and follow the principles the that principle govern our lives. By God's word. We love you. May God bless you. Have a great night. That's right. And before we close, we're going to have closing prayer and we'll come back with email address. Oh, you know, I forgot to pray. That's My right. My wife, she <laughs> on me. She keep me straight. <laughs> so prayer time. A mind to pray. Dear Almighty and Omnipotent God, our Father, our Creator, and Everlasting Help, we humbly approach your throne in the precious name of Jesus. We eagerly enter your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise, recognizing you are infinite in power and might. The fullness of your ways are past knowing, and your majesty is both seen and felt. Your word says you will grant us the very desire and will to do those things that are pleasing in your sight. In the name of Jesus, the first and the last, we ask for our mind to pray and revelation to have a deeper and more intimate fellowship with you. We ask that you drive out all distractions and the cares of this life and give us a sincere heart to seek your face with great expectation and hope. Let us have the same attitude of Christ, who was totally faithful and dependent on you. In the name of Jesus, help us, Holy Spirit, to submit our minds to the purpose and plans of God while teaching us how to follow him daily. Let us turn from our wicked ways so that our sins be forgiven and that you hear our prayers and restore our land. In the name of Jesus, renew our minds and saturate them in your word that our thoughts are pure and steadfastly focused on you. Draw us near and let us listen attentively to your voice, cherishing every moment in prayer and fellowship with you. Let us desire your presence more than our natural food and give us a mind to pray and seek your kingdom above all else, while trusting you to provide all of our needs. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen. Amen. And may the windows of heaven open and pour upon you a bundle of blessings. If you have a prayer request or a Bible question, you can email us at robtgina50 at gmail.com. And remember, we come on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. And we always want to thank you for joining us. We appreciate the comments. We appreciate those that join us each and every Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. And we thank you for the new ones that have joined us. So we just want to give you, God, all the praise and the honor and the glory. And that you have a wonderful and blessed week. God bless you. Have a great night.